Welcome to the Think Yourself Healthy podcast, where we challenge you to think differently about your approach to health and wellness. My name is Heather Duranja, and I'm excited to be here with you to take you on the journey from surviving to thriving. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have a very special guest with us. Her name is Stephanie Powers. She is the creator of Lightworkers Lounge, a podcast for people new to spirituality, where she brings on guests who share tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world. She's an astrologer, published author, holistic health coach who believes that everything happens for you, not to you. What a great bio. I absolutely love, love, love that, that mindset of everything happens for you, not to you. That's That's right. You got to think yourself healthy. You can't play a victim and have physical health. You've got it. And I know for myself personally, that I, I was very much addicted to being the victim for a very, very long time. And when I chose that I no longer wanted to be the victim, that was such a game changer for me in my own spiritual journey and my, my health journey as well. So lots and lots of powerful things can happen when we choose to allow to invite them into our reality. Exactly. Did you know your birth chart says that all about you? You came here in this lifetime to find security through self? Stephanie? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you just like smacked me in the face so hard. And thank you for that. Because to be perfectly honest with you, um, I know that that is my life journey, that my Mm -hmm. life journey is about proving to myself that I am worthy and deserving and have everything I need within myself to provide a, a secure being here yeah. and experience. So yeah. I can't wait to hear more about this birth chart findings that you yes. have covered. Yeah, you have something rare. You have what we call a stellium and both the second house and the fourth house. Now that I look at it, I didn't know you had a fourth house, but the second house rules morals, money, ethics, security. It's having confidence in your voice. And you have like your Chiron is in Taurus. So you, your Chiron is the wounded healer. You have a wound around feeling secure in yourself. And I bet it may have been difficult for you to charge for your services at first because you yeah. thought. Oh my gosh, you could not be speaking more to me. <laughs> this is awesome. So yeah, actually, you know, it's kind of funny. But when I decided to become a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and start practicing, it came from a place place of passion through my own journey and what I was able to uncover. And as a result of that, I wanted to share that with others. But I used to tell myself this story that everybody should have access to the information that I possess. And as a result of that, it made it very difficult for me to actually earn income through my gifts. <laughs> yeah, for me too. Cause I was a holistic health coach before Lightworkers Lounge. And I thought anybody could, I taught myself all of this aside from going to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I thought anybody could teach themselves this, but that's not what people want. As I'm sure we'll get into people want someone who's relatable. They want someone who can share stories. 
we want somebody to hold our hand through things. We don't want to just sit behind a screen and read things. We want to see someone who's done it, survived it, conquered it. And then we want to follow them. You got it. I love it. Absolutely love it. So tell me a little bit about your journey, kind of talk to the listeners and tell them how you went from holistic coach to then founding the Lightworkers Lounge and podcast. Yeah, it's so wild how some of the greatest things in our life stem from some of the worst moments in our life. Lightworkers Lounge, and this is so just backwards sounding, but it stemmed from a routine OBGYN appointment where I went in to just get a pap smear and call it a day. And while filling out my health history, I wrote that my mom had thyroid cancer, just as I have my whole life and no one has ever said anything about it. Just, oh, okay. Then you're susceptible to thyroid issues, but I never had any growing up. And except this one particular doctor in Fort Mill, South Carolina said, oh my gosh, we need to test your thyroid. So I thought, well, I don't have any symptoms that I know of. Okay. So she checked my thyroid levels and not even a week later, I get a call from the nurse saying, oh my God, you have to go see a specialist now. We booked you. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? They said, you have hyperthyroidism. You, you're you're going to have a thyroid storm if you don't go see an endocrinologist immediately. And I remember thinking, what? I don't have any symptoms. This is so bizarre. So long story short, I went to go see one. And after many tests, I was diagnosed with the autoimmune disease Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of that one. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the doctor told me I would struggle to get pregnant. And if I did get pregnant, I would struggle to carry full term. I've always known in my intuition that I would be a mom, probably later in life, but I knew I would be a mom. And so that didn't sit well. And I was just married at the time, a newlywed. So being told, yeah, you're not going to create a family was like, I'm 24 years old. I'm in the prime of my health. And you're telling me I need to have a major surgery to remove the thyroid gland? It didn't sit well with me. And as I'm sure you can attest, it's intimidating when a doctor in their white suit comes in and you think that they're God and they're professionals and they know everything. I'm here to tell you, yes, they are miracle workers when we get our legs cut off. But when it comes to knowing our own bodies, they don't know. We are a number. We're in a factory line. We get them. They get us in. They get us out. They don't know your body. Only you do. And so I said, okay, doctor. I think I can heal this by myself. And he's like, that's not possible, but all right. So I refused surgery. I refused medication. And one year later, I reversed it. And I had no thyroid antibodies in my blood. Wow, that is beautiful. I love that you were able to tap in and listen to to your intuition and allow that to help guide you to being proactive and advocating for yourself when it comes to your health and wellness and choosing not to have that elective surgery. So congratulations to you. That's huge. Thank you. And you know, at the time I really didn't have any friends. I just had my then husband. And so it was very lonely because I didn't have any cheerleaders of like, yeah, you got this good for you. It was so lonely. I just poured all those hours that I would have spent socializing or having friends into researching what Hashimoto's was, how you get it. And the stuff I found was so eye-opening. And I'll never forget just giving up gluten, which as I'm sure you know, is now just a glyphosate issue, but just giving up gluten in one week, half of my symptoms, which by the way, I know earlier I said, I don't have any symptoms. I did, but I was just so used to living a life of brain 
fog of fatigue of waking up with allergies of having a puffy face oh all my family said oh it's genetic we all have that we're yugoslavian and czechoslovakia we all have dark circles under our eyes i gave up gluten for a week and all of that was gone my skin looked great i no longer needed tissues every morning to sneeze into Mm -hmm. oh that's Mm. beautiful that's fabulous i i absolutely love it I think that one of the things that is unfortunate when it comes to our current circumstances around our Western health is that people are too trusting. We're so disconnected from our own physical bodies that we aren't even aware of what our actual symptoms are. So most of us really have no clue how bad we actually feel until we start feeling better. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I didn't realize I felt like such crap, right? Yeah, it's so sad to me. And that was another fuel to my fire that I had to get out there and teach people because people just think popping Advil every morning for your headache and being addicted to coffee is just normal. Just what you, oh gosh, you're like, you don't know how good you can feel. It's crazy as I'm sure you can attest. And you know, what shocked me a couple of weeks ago, actually, I was again at another routine OBGYN appointment and she asked the usual questions. What are you doing for birth control? And I said, Ooh, nothing. Mm-hmm. She was like, uh, are you trying to get pregnant? I was like, no, not really, but no, I'm not on any birth control. So don't even try to push it. Right. She was, I said, I listened to my body. I know exactly when I ovulate. Yeah. I will schedule sex accordingly. Uh-huh. I know. I mean, and I do, I know exactly to the hour without even looking at my period tracker app. I know when I'm going to start my period. I know exactly when my egg is being released. And I thought this was normal. And she said, Oh honey, no, nobody. It's a vast majority of women have no idea when yeah. they're ovulating. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I teach a course called retrain your retrain your brain. And as a part of this course, I dive into the female physiology related to our cycle and our cycle gives us so much information about us and how we can plan our life accordingly based upon our cycle. And it's really empowering when we can take a step back and really get in tune with our physical being and then take that information and use it to our benefit. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful gift that we all have the ability to. It's funny because like you, I myself, um, I haven't been on birth control for a long, long, long time. I, I think I got on birth control shortly after my, I think once I stopped breastfeeding my youngest daughter, I got on birth control and I was on that for like maybe five years or so. Felt like crap, knew it was not the answer for me, and then elected to stop using it and get in tune with my actual body and my cycle. And um, when I did that, it was such a beautiful gift because I truly understood my energy levels, my confidence levels, how I could utilize this to my benefit. But like you, I know exactly when I'm ovulating. Like exactly. And I find it fascinating that we're taught that we have a five day window ovulation window. And the reality is, no, we have a 12 to 24 hour window of ovulation. And most women are completely unaware of that. However, sperm can live for up to five days. And so that's how we get that fabulous five day window to take into consideration, um, but we don't, we don't understand that. We don't, we don't have the information um, 
about that. So we don't know how to use that to our benefit when it comes to exactly and whatnot around our cycle and our sexuality. So oh my gosh, this, I, this is leading into oh, so many things, but I just had a sex specialist on the show last week. And we were talking about like how here in America, what we're taught in school, public school about sex is don't do it. It's terrible. You get an STD and you'll have a really high risk pregnancy. It's like, <gasps> ah, we should be taught like to honor our bodies and to make love to a partner and then taught to listen to our physical bodies to prevent pregnancy. But instead we're just take this pill, take that pill, wear a condom, do this, do that. Oh gosh. Yeah. Another thing I find really interesting pertaining to birth control pill is, or birth control um, medication is the misconception that it's providing the body with hormones. Gosh, it, it amazes me how many people think that taking a form of birth control is actually putting hormones into their body. And the reality is it halts the production of hormones, sex hormones, period. Yep. So unfortunately in the United States, the typical practice is, you know, a young girl starts her menstruation cycle, starts having cramps other unfortunate symptoms, goes to the doctor, and then the doctor says, oh, take these hormones. These will solve all of your problems. And what it does is it interrupts the body's ability to actually self-regulating that process. And sometimes it can take two to three years for the female cycle to regulate and become normal. When I talk to my friends, I'm in my mid-40s, and majority of my friends are already going through menopause. And when we chat and we talk about like sex drive and period symptoms, I'm over here completely alienated from my peers because we don't have the same kind of circumstances. We can't relate in the same way because our experiences are so very different. I myself, um, when it comes to my period, I have great periods. I don't have, you know, the significant cramping and the headaches and all of the bloating and the heavy cycles that are associated with what most women think of a normal period. But the reality is none of that is normal. No. And that, that was the, that was the most profound thing I discovered in my journey. Cause yes, I was a holistic health coach with fertility and hormones and thyroid was discovering that PMS means your hormones are out of whack. It's not normal. And just like you, my peer, I love my periods. I'd look at it as a spiritual thing. I'm shedding the month's emotions. I'm shedding the month's energies. I never have headaches. I never have sore boobs. I never get acne. I used to. And I just thought my mom would tell me, oh, this is just what happens. So you PMS. And she used to say, my PMS was so bad. I wanted to kill everybody the week before I bled. And I'm like, I know. And my periods are pain-free. They last three days and then they're yeah. Beautiful. Count your blessings, girlfriend. I feel I, fortunate to be on that side versus majority of the population who cannot relate to what you and I are speaking to. You know? I know. I feel so bad for them. I, I know a lot of my friends, gosh, with the blood loss every month and yeah. the cramping, they have to call out of work. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. I know many of the women that I talk to find it very, very um, surprising that the average menstruation cycle, when it comes to blood loss, we should only be losing somewhere between 30 and 50 milliliters of blood. 
And when you put that into something that is relatable in terms of measurement for us, that's like an ounce of fluid, like literally wow. an ounce to two ounces of fluid. It's oh. not significant, you know, but unfortunately many people aren't on that end of the, uh, of this, that no. not on that side of the fence when it comes I... to the menstruation cycle. That's so true. Do you teach about red and white cycles? No, I don't. Oh, how the red, that's a more spiritual aspect to it. And that's definitely more light workers lounge than my previous life as a health coach. Well, talk to us about the red and white cycles. Yeah. So a red cycle is when you start your period with the full moon Mm -hmm. and you ovulate with the new moon. And an old folklore says that if this is your cycle, starting your period on the full moon and ovulating with the new moon, then you should be in a phase where you're working in the outer world, where you're focusing on your career, on healing others, just being out more in your masculine energy. If you're just the opposite, you're on a white cycle. And this is the most natural in in rhythm with nature, where you ovulate with the full moon when the light is brightest and everything is more fertile because it has more energy from the moonlight. And you start your period with the new moon. I always taught my clients, if you're trying to get pregnant, try and get your cycle. I found that a lot of women who made the decision in their mind, okay, I'm ready to be a mother. They would naturally reverse their period and get on a white cycle Mm -hmm. so that they would get pregnant. You're just, I've heard you're more fertile during that time. Mm So it sounds like there has to be some intention behind that, correct? Yes, exactly. I'm sorry. Ceiling. I was like, there's a ghost. <laughs> I have another podcast that I'm recording after this one. And she's like, wait, you've got two hours of this. She's like, I'm out of here. I said, you do. Oh, girl. Do. I'm, I'm not slave to a podcast. If people come and go, dogs bark, that's just part of life. Yes, it is. Exactly. And people love it. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be real. I think that that's one of the biggest things that the work that you and I do are allowing to give permission to individuals to be human and to have real life circumstances that don't have such a detrimental impact. We try to control outcomes. We're, We're so focused on trying to control that we lose our ability to just be in the moment and navigate navigate life's natural flow in a way that serves us all. Oh yeah. People are, their minds are blown when they ask me like the level you've reached with your podcast, what kind of equipment do you use? Do you have an office or a studio? I was like, I use a $20 mic off Amazon. I'm recording in my motorhome, and <laughs> call it a day. <laughs> That's awesome. So are you living remotely? Are you kind of living wherever? Yeah. Yeah. My partner and I just moved into this motor home full time. It's been an adjustment period going from living in a big house, but the freedom you get from saying, okay, we're in Charleston for a week. It was really fun. Let's go to Palm Springs, California. It's just so fun. And yeah, I haven't really shared the full story of why we're doing this, but we're trying to find home. Okay. It's a big adventure of trying to find a place where we want to plant roots. Mm-hmm. And we realize that we can't find that place just looking at Zillow at home on the couch. No, I, I agree. I, back in 2000 and two, like the end of 2015 to early 2016, I was approaching 40. I was feeling very discontent living in the Midwest. I grew up in St. Louis, had lived my whole life there and knew that it was not in alignment with where I was supposed to be serving. 
And so I decided that I was going to explore this. And um, so what I did was I decided to pick all of the markets that were known for health and wellness that had supportive, you know, environments for health and wellness practices. So I picked all of those spots and then I dedicated about six months of my life to traveling and going to all of these places to see if that feeling I was looking for elicited and then I would know. So I decided to leave California last because I had never been to California. I was, I didn't want to be biased. I didn't want to, you know, see the sun and palm trees in the ocean and be like, yep, that's it. <laughs> so I wanted right. to give everything a fair shot. And everyone told me that I had to go to San Diego. They're like, San Diego, that's where you're going to feel it. You're going to love it. So I left California last, flew into San Diego, got into San Diego. And I was like, where's it at? <laughs> where's the feeling at? Like, I'm not feeling it. And um, so I felt very defeated in that moment thinking it's nowhere. Like I have no place of belonging. So I decided mm -hmm. to rent a vehicle and then I drove up the coast and literally the second that I rounded the corner between Dana Point and Laguna Beach, that feeling that I had been searching for overtook me. I pulled over to the side of the road. I texted my daughter and my assistant at the time and said, we're moving to California. And so I literally flew home sold everything I owned within a matter of three weeks, gave yes. up my entire practice, had no idea how I was going to make money. I had like $500 to my name, put what belongings and my daughter in my car. And we literally drove 27 hours straight, got to Laguna. And I was like, I am so confident in my intuitive feeling that this is exactly where I am supposed to be. And I trusted that. And with that trust, the abundance came, everything fell into place as needed. Now, don't get me wrong. It was scary. It was very frightening. There was a lot of uncertainty, but I trusted that intuition so strongly that I knew I had nothing to lose. And I am so, so, so grateful for having the ability to be able to trust in that process. So when you talk about me searching for security and that being, you know, one of my foundational components to this human experience, I have to say that was probably one of the first learning lessons in trusting this journey and gaining that security from within. You got me covered in truth bumps, as we call them. I love it. I love it. So I totally honor and respect what you're doing and can relate 100%. And just know that if you're in tune with what is meant for you, it's going to find you. Yeah, it's been a wild ride because everyone on the show knows me as I love the Florida Keys. That is my happy place. It's where I feel most creative. But then when I think about what my soul really wants. Mm -hmm. I want farm. I want land. I want a huge garden. I want to have my animals just run out the back door and be free. Yeah. Florida Keys doesn't offer that. It's a place of tiki bars and highways and nonstop partying, which my Sagittarius self loves, but it's not what my soul needs. And it took a lot. I'm still kind of grieving that process of this is not where I'm going to buy a house and live forever. It's kind of like when you went to San Diego, you're like, well, this is beautiful, but where's that feeling? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I find it interesting because I myself am being called to property as well. I'm being called to land, to 
having free open spaces that I can call my own and be able to sustainably utilize that environment as a way to enrich in my life and enrich in the earth, right? That's what I yeah. feel being called to. And I feel like a lot of light workers right now are in alignment with that calling. Yeah. Have you have you noticed that so many people are moving to Montana? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've had visions. I gave myself truth bumps again. But um, since I was 18, I remember my mom took me to a psychic fair and a psychic told me that I would live on a ranch in Montana. And this is when I first was introduced to the Keys. So I was all like Caribbean life <laughs> forever. And so when I, they said Montana horse ranch, I was like, you got the wrong girl. Are you reading her energy? Because you're not reading mine. <laughs> that same psychic fair, uh, another woman told me that I would have a career and spirituality. And I was like, I don't want to be a nun. <laughs> Here we are. So Montana has just appeared to me in so many synchronistic ways. One of the coolest ways was I was hiking in the middle of the woods in New Hampshire and I found a quarter on the ground. Like I wasn't even on a trail. I was just crunching through the leaves, picked up the quarter and it was from Montana. Oh, Yeah. So many incredible you know, after I got my divorce, I left the courthouse, like after signing the final papers and just ooh, all that tough energy. And it, that was in Denver, Colorado. And I just needed to drive into the middle of a field. And then this big thunderstorm rolled through and then a rainbow came out. And then this old, old antique beat up truck starts coming down the field. And this is a beautiful gold field. And I'm thinking, I'm in the middle of nowhere. This guy, it's either his property and he's going to tell me to get out of here or... And he just drives by and he has a beat up Montana license plate on his truck. Oh, really? With 777 on it. No. And I'm like, okay. So Montana, you know, I love, you just inspired me so much. When we end our call, I'm literally going to make a list of, okay, I'm going to put five cities mm -hmm. that I want to go drive through. And like you said, you just know. You do. It's an energetic, even when I pull up to like the most picturesque, beautiful city, like Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm at right now, it's beautiful. It's a movie set. It's where the notebook was filmed. It's mm -hmm. stunning. But that energetic feel isn't there. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that energetic feeling is also being in alignment with your life purpose and how you're supposed to utilize your gifts, your aspects, how you can take all of those beautiful qualities and then nourish them to the fullest potential. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think about it, even when I just lived in the Keys for almost the entire 2020, I'm not a bikini girl. I didn't do anything on the water. I didn't lay out on the beach. And there are no beaches in the Keys, for one. If anyone's listening to this, want to go to the Keys, it's a giant rock. There are no beaches to just go sit and swim at. And I never did. I loved to look at it. I loved the warm weather. I loved to lay in a hammock on my porch. But like, as for immersing myself in it, I didn't. So I had to really get real and check my ego and say, is this really what you want? Because where I'm happiest is wearing workout clothes and hiking boots and getting in the dirt and riding horses and garden. Oh, planting my own food. That is where my soul gets stirred. Oh, absolutely. I feel you so much on that. And I feel so much resentment, I think right now with everything that we have going on in the world in many ways, because a lot of the things that I need to nourish my soul, I don't, I can't, I can't access right now. Yeah. And so I have to constantly keep 
navigating through that self-talk and those emotions that come and go and trying not to judge them, trying not to hold on to an attachment of them, which can be really challenging, really challenging some days more than others. But um, I'm confident, you know, like, like you said, with seeing the Montana license plate and the 777, we are always being provided with the, the signs, the evidence that we need that we're on our path. And we just truly have to trust in that. But most of us are so disconnected. We're just so not, we, we disconnected from our physical body, disconnected from our communication with others, disconnected, disconnected from self. Yeah. I know that for myself, that was one of the biggest challenges was really having to admit out loud that I had no idea who I was and that my whole identity had been shaped upon other people's opinions and belief systems about who I was supposed to be. Yep. So part of what kept me in the Midwest so long was that I was, I, I'm the oldest and I have five younger brothers. So I had a large family and I was raised with that mindset that family must stay close together. We have to be near each other for support. And so I start challenging this belief and I'm thinking, okay, well, I live within a 10 mile radius of my entire family. How often are we truly engaging and supporting one another? Mm, okay, major holidays, birthdays, that kind of thing. And I just started challenging that whole thought process of, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Or is this just a story that I've been told that I've embraced as part of my identity? And this is what is holding me back from actually stepping into my purpose and being able to see my full potential. Yeah. And so um, I'm grateful that I was able to have the ability to recognize that and then work through that whole thought process and challenge it and take the risk because truly it was the best best decision I ever made not only for myself but also for my daughters oh been there done that wore that t-shirt with my marriage yeah yeah got married so young and quickly real oh I just remember when I got married at 24 now that I'm 32 it's like why didn't anybody shake me and say, Hey, grow up. Like you're not ready for this, but just the whole process. I always felt like, what am I doing? It felt like I was on autopilot, uh -huh. especially when I went to go change my last name. I was like, I deep down don't want to do this, but I'm embarrassed to say, this is how young and immature I was when I got married. I didn't know that you don't have to change your name. Yeah. You don't have to, you have to, if you want to, you go file papers and you get a new social security card and all that shit, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I thought by law, I had to change my name. And so I grieved the whole process of losing myself and getting the divorce. One of the things that just cheered me up and got me through it was getting my name back. It was such a big sigh of relief. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, okay. Now that I know, Oh, like, I'd love to get married again. I'm not going to get the government involved, with their papers and stuff, but I'll still do the whole thing. And, oh, I know, just working on autopilot. 
Yeah. Did you know I was born in the Midwest? I'm from Southern Indiana. I used to go to St. Louis all the time. Oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. St. Louis is a great city. Um, I think it's definitely underrated. There's a lot of great mm. attributes about coming, you know, being raised in the Midwest and um, living and spending so much time there. Um, but it wasn't for me. You know, I, I recognize that there were bigger things that I needed to be doing. And Ironically enough, moving out here to Southern California, um, part of my job completely changed. I, I was called to a population that I didn't even know I was supposed to be serving. And through this, the work that I do with the population I serve, I dedicate a lot of my time to mental health and substance recovery abuse. And it's um, something that I know firsthand from experience because I spent so many years of my life trying to numb out, self-sabotage, you know, stay attached to my stories of not being worthy and deserving and then creating experiences to prove why I wasn't worthy and deserving. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been beautiful because I don't know if I would have necessarily been drawn to that opportunity had I stayed in the Midwest. And since I've been out here, I've been able to grow and cultivate that population and demographic and serve them in a way that makes me so freaking proud, like so amazingly proud. Yes. So I want to know your story. How did you switch from focusing on the physical body, like as a dietitian, to then the emotional body? Well, because it, to be perfectly honest with you, it was through my own journey. So when I was 18 years old, at that time, I was in the height of my depression and anxiety and just looking for any and every outlet to numb out to. So at that time, my diet consisted mostly of like Cheetos and Skittles sprees. My Yum. drink of choice was Mountain Dew and <laughs> a little Debbie snack I could get my hands on. And I was also doing a lot of drugs at the time. I was smoking a lot of marijuana. I was using cocaine and um, crystal meth as ways to stimulate myself so that I could pump out all of these amazing dream catchers. It's like, I look back to that journey and I think about how spiritual I was at that time, mm -hmm. but not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I was yep my spirituality, but not. And I was still playing victim and realized and thinking that life was happening to me instead of for me. Well, as a result, I ended up urinating straight blood. I started just peeing oh. and I knew that there was a big problem. And so went to the doctor and through testing, they ended up discovering that I had an autoimmune kidney disease that was genetic called IgA nephropathy. So on my biological father's side of the family, we have Native American blood, and this is a prevalent disease that tends to be more popular in men than women. So ultimately, my environment allowed for a genetic mutation to turn on. And with the diagnosis of this kidney disease, I also got dropped from my parents' health insurance because I wasn't a full-time student. So now I've got a chronic condition and no health insurance. And my doctors told me that I was looking at dialysis or transplant within five years. 
I ended up getting pregnant, having to go through clinics. And the first five months of my pregnancy, I was hooked up to IVs. I was very ill. I think I lost like 18 pounds, which at that time I did not have 18 pounds to lose. And so when I, when I birthed this beautiful eight pounds, six ounce baby girl that had like more hair than I had ever seen in my entire life, I was in complete shock. I was like, holy crap, that thing was literally robbing my body of all nutrients just so that she could thrive. So long story short, um, I knew that I needed to survive. I knew that I needed to figure this out. And with full transparency, I graduated with a 1.7 GPA from high school. So I did not have much confidence that I was going to learn how to navigate the medical system without mm -hmm. having medical insurance, but I was determined to figure it out. And so that's where my journey began. And back in that day, we didn't have Google. So I had to go to the library and like navigate the Dewey Decimal System, which was a challenge in itself. And um, as I started learning things and applying behavior change, I started feeling better. The better I felt, the more I wanted to learn. And so I think I was approaching 30 and my youngest daughter was going to be starting kindergarten. So I decided that I was going to defy all odds and I was going to go back to school. I was going to challenge all of my stories, all of yeah. them, but it was frightening, but it was literally the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm so grateful for my own personal journey because I think that it allows me to, um, be a very effective health communicator in a way that can empower individuals to advocate for themselves and not just blindly trust the medical yeah. system and their recommendations. So, wow. Yeah. So I'm really oh grateful gosh. for everything. I, we could go on and on and on the stories, you know, the stories, the stories, one day I'll write the book with all of the stories, but, um, until then, we have the podcast to share them yeah, on. For sure. You know, I wrote a book on, and this is, I'm a little mad. This was my first published book. Cause you know, when your first book you published, people then associate you with it. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be a health coach. I want to be known as Lightworkers Lounge. But my first book was Thyroid First Aid Kit. And that was, it's a journey. It actually received some criticism because when people saw the title, they thought it would be a scientifically backed factual, how to heal the thyroid. And then some people were disappointed when they realized it was more just me sharing stories of how I emotionally developed this disease. I love what you said. Your environment created this. I live by the quote, genes load the gun lifestyle pulls the trigger. Absolutely. I mean, that's just a fact. <laughs> it's yeah, just a it fact. and so many people are in denial and unfortunately the narrative that our medical system carries supports that denial you know I, I, this episode is brought to you by Organifi and my friends over at Organifi are hooking you up with 15% off the entire store yep the entire store all you have to do is head over to Organifi.com and use the code Heather to save some moolah. You guys ask me all the time, Heather, how do you have so much energy? How are you basically reversing the aging process? And I just have to say that the green juice and the red juice from Organifi are two of my secrets. I don't go a single day without a scoop of my red or green juice. And just a little PSA, right now they even have a pumpkin spice flavor and um, it's outrageous. 
I don't take a lot of supplements, but I'll be honest, it's hard to get a lot of the vitamins and minerals we need from food alone these days. So that's why I use a high quality product like Organifi to ensure that I'm supporting my brain health, liver health, immune system, detoxification, and most importantly, my energy levels. The green juice is amazing first thing in the morning because it contains superfoods that help to lower cortisol levels. And uh, it's 2020, has it got you stressed? This is going to be a game changer for you to help reset your entire body for a focused and energized day. To have your red or green juice or any other amazing Organifi product delivered to your doorstep, head to Organifi.com and use the code Heather for 15% off. I, I'll never forget when I asked the doctor, like, how did I get this? Oh, genetics. How can I reverse this? Uh, you can't. I said, well, what can I eat? Is there any foods I should eliminate from my diet or bring in? And he looked at me with such wide eyes because nobody ever asks this. Oh, Heather, don't even get me started on how I posted this on my Instagram stories the other day when I went to my OBGYN's office, because again, the Florida Keys, they are not about holistic health. People go down there to party and drink and that's it. They don't go down there. They don't go down there to eat kale. Right. But they, I walked in and they're drinking giant Slurpee sodas. They just got Chinese takeout and there's a big box of candy on the front desk. And I, my smart ass, because I'm a Sagittarius fire sign, I was like, does PCOS, is that caused by like blood sugar imbalance as they're sucking down Snickers? And they're like, yeah, uh-huh. I'm like, oh my oh, God. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, well, <laughs> It, it amazes me that we have so much knowledge, we have so much in, information that is available to us, but there is such a disconnect with what people are actually attuning themselves with. You know, it, really the masses love to be the victim. We just love to be the victim. And until we can truly decide that we're sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. And the only person who can undo that is you. It's, it's us. We have to take accountability. There's no way around it. You know, um, I feel so strongly. I think that one of the best things that happened to me throughout my own spiritual awakening and journey is recognizing that all of the behaviors that I was acting out as an adult none of them were mine to begin with. Not one. It was all programmed, all conditioned based off of my environment. And when I was able to really like look at that and go, wait, what? <laughs> wait, you mean to tell me that I've been doing all of this shit up to this point in my life and I never had any consent around choosing these behaviors, but now I have awareness that these were never mine to begin with, now I can choose to start acting and showing up and rethinking the approach that I've taken to this point to get myself into alignment with how I actually want to feel. Yes, speak and live your truth. I used to have crippling anxiety and depression. Sure, my hyperactive thyroid played a role in that, but it was also just my upbringing. And as you know, mental health, there's so many factors into it. And I get asked frequently, how did you get rid of it? How did you let go of that? I used to get like a red rash all over my chest whenever I would speak or record or talk. It was so bad. 
really the secret was just aligning with my truth. It was getting out of a relationship I knew wasn't for me. It was leaving a corporate job that was draining my soul energy. It was just getting back in touch with who I am. And then it just melted away because I was confident all of a sudden. Isn't it funny how innately we know all of the right things that we're supposed to be doing for ourselves, but we cannot trust that information to take action. Yes. And it's our upbringing. It's, you know, my mom listens to my podcast. She's my best friend. I grew up without a father. I don't know him. And she listens all the time and says, I'm sorry. Like I I had no idea what I was doing. And I'm like, well, don't ever be sorry. I I know you didn't. You were just operating with what you knew, but someone's got to break these generational patterns. And uh, Clearly, my soul rose its hand and said, I'll sign I'm, up. I'm up for the job. I'm ready. To yeah. This it's a little week. exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> Some days I'm like, why did I choose this time for these yeah. lessons? Why? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. Really, it is. bigger than what I can even imagine. But I just try to lean into that and know that I'm here for a specific reason. I chose this. I chose all of it. And it's up to me to decide on how my reality plays out. It's a choice. It's all it a choice. It's a choice. It is a choice. And going back to the initial question from the start of the show is how did I switch from having my holistic health practice, which was called Evolve to Health, kind of like yours, Think Yourself Healthy. Mine was Evolve Your Mindset to be healthy, evolve your mindset to look at kale and carrots and greens and fruit, to look at fruit as candy rather than Skittles, you know, evolve to that level. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight to train your taste buds. But I got from the holistic side to the spiritual side because I started to work with clients and I thought they know how to eat healthy. People know, drink water, eat fruits and vegetables, move your body. Everybody, it's ingrained into us. We all know but why? And so I quickly found all of my sessions. We didn't talk about diet. We did not talk about workout regimens, nothing. I thought, wow, what a waste of an education, but no. Also, this is so intriguing that when I asked about their primary food, as we call it at IIN, things that involve the emotions like career, finances, their home life, their relationship, their friendships, these with the meat and potatoes, so to speak, of my sessions is people were like, oh yeah, my, my marriage is really on the rocks. They're abusive. Um, there's cheating involved. And it was like, oh, so that's why you reach for the cheese and the fried food because you really need to feel comforted. Oh, I'm, I, I'm so bored with my job. I feel so unfulfilled. It is not my purpose. I feel like a robot. Oh, so that's why you get a donut with your sweet sugary coffee because sweets make you feel alive and bring sweetness to your life. Oh, okay. I get it. And oh, I don't know if you can attest to this, but I worked with a lot of women who were trying to conceive and they just couldn't. And they were perfect vegans. These fit bodies looked great, crystal clear skin. They could not conceive a child. And they would come to me crying saying, all of my friends can. I remember one girl who said her sister was like morbidly overweight, smoked cigarettes, drank Mountain Dew every day. And she's like, she's on her fifth child why she goes to mcdonald's every day how can she get pregnant boom 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 and i can't even conceive one and i thought wow that and i literally told her i was like i gotta think about this because i don't know but the more i thought about it is her sister doesn't give a shit about nothing she doesn't care about anything she just eats what she wants drinks what she wants does what she wants and it reflects in her physical body but it also it's her mentality Mm -hmm. she doesn't think 
too much. I think when you think too much, trying to conceive, you're blocking it because you're like, I've got to be perfect. I got to have a detox gut. I got to have this. And like, look at your body with your kidney issue. You still grew this healthy baby. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole concept of thinking yourself healthy is so powerful because it is our reality. We can choose to redirect our thoughts in a place that's going to be more serving. I just recently, um, at the beginning of the year, had a second scare of having a reoccurrence of cervical cancer. And so when I was going through this whole situation and the possibility of cervical cancer, cancer having come back, I just had to say to myself that there's a lesson and a blessing in this. If this is a reoccurrence of this cervical cancer, then there is something behind it that is necessary that I'm supposed to learn from, be able to teach about or what, whatever it might be, but it's a lesson and a blessing. And so I went through the whole process, got a second opinion, and then everything came back as being negative that I did not have the cervical cancer, which, you know, blessing, grateful, all of the things. But what I realized is that many of us are so detached, we're so addicted to this identity that was never ours to begin with, that we spend our entire life defending these limiting beliefs, these stories that we tell ourselves, these programs that we're running from as a way to just stay safe and be in survival mode. And if we can start challenging those stories, allowing for the emotions to present when they come up and actually feel through them so much of our reality can be shaped in a way that serves us immensely if we choose to see it that way. Wow, cervical. You know, I always like to look for the emotional reasoning behind physical issues. Like I know with skin issues, which I suffer from a lot based off of just my sensitivity. Have you found that people who are like empaths and really sensitive to spirituality, we are so sensitive. The other night for well, New Year's Eve, I drink too much champagne and I'm still recovering a week later. Absolutely, girlfriend. I also have uh, an intuitive perspective around this and there's no evidence, there's no facts to base this claim off of. But I feel intuitively those that are very much in alignment with their spiritual journey and their connection to prime source creator, we have a different genetic DNA. Our, the DNA that we carry is more pure. And as a result of that, because we have this pure genetic DNA, when we get vaccinated, when we're eating our tainted food supply, drinking our toxic water, that these things are having a greater impact on our pure DNA, which is why you see a higher prevalence of autoimmune disease in light workers. Have you noticed that so yeah. many young people are being a diet? It's almost like a badge of honor. When I tell people I have an autoimmune disease. Oh, me too. Which one do you have? Yeah. It's like, no, this is yeah. not cool. No. And part of the problem is, is that because we are so addicted to being the victim, having an autoimmune disease allows us to form an identity that has a lot of needs, right? Yep. And oh. so this identity may not necessarily be 
serving us in the way that we desire, but it's serving a purpose. It's allowing for us to stay victim, to stay attached to our stories and to the unhealthy behaviors that have environmentally allowed for these genetic mutations to present themselves as autoimmune disease. Gosh, I feel called out. Because so many times I tell my friends, like, I cannot go out tonight. I'm just so tired because I, if I stay up an hour too late or if I get up an hour too early, my whole day is off, thrown yeah. off. If I don't drink enough water, oh, gosh, my skin. I just got rosacea a year ago. It's like, come on, I'm 32 years old. I shouldn't have this on my cheeks. But again, I think it's a physical manifestation of an emotional it, issue. And in absolutely. the past year, oh, gosh. Absolutely. Definitely has. You know, and also we have to take consideration, like I know for myself, um, when I was born, I was born with a ton of allergies. Like my mother couldn't put cloth diapers on me, any detergent I would have a reaction to. I couldn't have anything other than breast milk. When they started introducing foods, I was, I really struggled with having reactions and when I think back and evaluate my mother's conditions during pregnancy, my mother was under high stress circumstances. And as a result of that, she was in a fight or flight mode more often than less, which meant that the hormones and the neurotransmitters that were being released in her bloodstream were programming my autonomic nervous system to define its baseline for survival. So for me, I know that I was wired in the womb for chaos and wow. that my environment cultivated and kept that chaos highly available. And then as I became an adolescent teenager and adult, I started seeking out subconsciously the fixes that I need to stimulate the central nervous system and keep me in that constant state of fight or flight. So as a result of that, our body has limited resources. We can only keep up with demands for so long. And I personally feel this is why I see a lot of young women, especially whom are facing really detrimental autoimmune diagnoses, having infertility issues, that a lot of this goes back so much deeper than what we actually recognize in terms of our perceived stress and how long our body has been in that stress response. I know for myself, I had severe abandonment and rejection issues due to um, my father not being a part of my life. And I, one of my first memories is waiting on the front porch for him to come and he would never show up. I didn't have the ability to cognitively decipher that dad was drunk. He wasn't safe to get into a vehicle. I just took that as I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough for my dad to show up. And so, wow, you, you're literally mirroring my life, like yeah. down to the sitting on the step. Yeah. Like I remember the, um, I remember the streetlights coming on and my mom saying, honey, I'm so sorry, but your father's not coming. You have to come inside. And just that feeling of desperation and that feeling, I mean, I was four years old and I mm. still can recall that those memories so strongly. And I had no idea what an impact that was going to play 
in terms of how I showed up and acted as an adult. Yep. Oh, literally we were, I'm covered in truth bombs again, because we are mirrored down to the drunk. Like you don't even want to get in the car with this person, darling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I buried my dad on what would have been his 54th birthday. We literally put him in the ground on his 54th birthday. And I chose that we were going to have a celebration of his life that we We're going to make it a beautiful experience of him going back to where he was, you know, came from. But prior to his death, when he ended up finding out that he was ill, there was a a very long period in my life where I had no contact with my father. I had so much anger, so much resentment towards him. Um, But prior to his death, I, I decided that it was important to have some form of relationship and make reconciliation so that I could forgive for my own sake. And if if he benefited from the process, awesome. But it was more for me than anything. I watched my ex-husband, he buried his father. His dad was 48, passed away from alcoholism complications as well. And I saw how that manifested in my ex-husband and how it really destroyed him because he didn't deal with those emotions. He, He wasn't able to process through those in a healthy way. So I wanted to choose something differently for myself and I actively chose that. And I remember my having that conversation with my dad and just saying like, look, I don't judge you. I get it. You were young, you wanted to party. You weren't prepared to be a father and all of the things and, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's totally fine. I forgive you. I love you. I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to have this conversation now. And for me, I chose that piece. Many of us don't, we don't choose to, to open those doors and allow ourselves that freedom. I know forgiveness was something that I struggled with. Oh my God. I woke up every single morning for many, many years after my divorce, waiting, just waiting. Today's going to be the day. I know it. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel like I can forgive. Nope. Didn't come. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. And then one day I'm driving in my car and I'm listening to the radio and I hear the, the people talking and I hear them say, Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. And I literally almost wrecked my car. I pulled over to the side of the road. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Your spare guide said, okay, she's stubborn as hell. (laughs) And so I chose to receive that message in that moment. And it was such a game changer, such a game changer. I know that with the work that I do now, part of what is so powerful is giving others permission and really emphasizing the need for self-forgiveness. We don't, we don't forgive for others. We forgive for ourselves. That's who we are helping when we choose to forgive. It's allowing us to let go of all of these heavy emotions, all of this trauma that we're carrying so deep at a cellular level within our physical bodies But when we can choose that forgiveness, that can be the starting point for the most beautiful transformation we could have ever imagined manifesting in our life, in our human being experience. 
Yeah. To realize that people never do things intentionally to us. It's all a reflection of how they feel inside. Even if it really felt like they were cussing you out or they abandoned you or they deserted you or cheated on you. It's all a reflection of how they feel inside. It has nothing to do with you. When you fully grasp that, oh gosh, the power and the freedom you unlock. Isn't it the most, I mean, for me, it's better than any of the drugs I've ever used. Yes, it is a drug. Absolutely it is. This is amazing. I look back at where I'm at in my journey now compared to where I was just a year or two or three years ago. And I used to be an extremely defensive person, right? I lacked that feeling of sense of security. Therefore, I must be on guard. I have to defend every action, everything. And as a result of that, I was killing myself in the process. I was so freaking miserable. I hated Mm -hmm. life. Like I hated life. But my subconscious brain was keeping me stuck in this pattern because I lacked the ability to have awareness around what was mine and what wasn't mine to carry. Yeah. We can take a step back and start getting curious around the emotions that we're feeling when we're getting triggered. I think it's such an, a beautiful opportunity to really have a lesson that we can learn and grow from immensely to help shape the trajectory of how we keep showing up moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And when you sort all of these things out and you free yourself from all those heavy, dense emotions, eating healthy, working out, choosing water instead of Mountain Dew just comes naturally. So I'm going to ask you this question because this is one that I think I personally struggle with being able to have a, an answer to. So when it comes to our consciousness and our ability to really awaken to our spiritual journey, what happens first? Do you think that diet is a necessary starting place to help awaken that journey? Oh, I'm going through all the examples in my mind of this because I actually just wrote an Instagram caption on this. One of the best yoga teachers that I've ever had who always like, I don't cry. My friends joke, my eyes are constipated. It takes a lot to get those emotions to come out of these eyeballs. But one of the best yoga teachers I had that would always at the end of class leave me crying in Savasana. She smoked cigarettes. She drank orange Gatorade. She had fake boobies. She had bleached blonde hair. And this is just being stereotypical and judgmental. Yeah, but you would think that stereotypically, if you're super, you'd be vegan. You would never smoke cigarettes. Orange Gatorade, ugh. But she just had this touch to her because she would go around the room at the end of class and give us like little shoulder massages and her energy. Some of the best psychics, some of the best Reiki therapists I've ever had cranked cigarettes and showed up with a cheeseburger. (laughs) Like, what? But again, I I also say that I really tuned into my spirituality when I opened up my crown chakra by raising my vibration. And I fully believe eating a plant-based diet can definitely raise your vibration, open up your chakras. Because think about it. Plants have the earth's energy. It's incredible when you think this is what I do whenever I like, I just bought this local salad at Whole Foods last night here in Charleston. And it's from a local farm. I know the farmer. I, I just imagine the rain that's falling today that fell on my plant to grow it. The sunlight that, oh, I love so much that grew it. All that energy is going into your body. So of course 
it's going to open up something. It's going to connect you to a higher power. Yeah. But I just don't think uh, that's the beauty of spirituality. It's not an organized religion with the Bible. You can really take it however you want. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm hearing then is that intention. Intention is the core pillar of that awakening process. Yes. Yeah. I, have you heard of the people, I forget what it's called, but they live in blue zones and it's where they have the most people yeah. who live over a hundred. I think the biggest or the oldest one is in Italy yeah. and they all eat cheese, meatballs, pasta. They drink lots of wine, but they have a sense of community where everybody feels seen. Everybody feels cared for. Nobody is ostracized for being different. Everyone feels like they have a purpose in their community. And they eat whatever they want. There's no high blood pressure. There's no high cholesterol. They're all super healthy and live to be over a hundred, but they eat cheese and meat. Yeah. They also take into consideration the power of community and slowing down. Yes. Which are core pillars to engaging our parasympathetic nervous system so that we can stay in that place of rest and digest. Mm -hmm. So you know, for I, I know that um, research-based, the Mediterranean diet is one of the diets that touted, you know, is touted to be a pillar of health and wellness. But we have to look beyond just the food choices that they're incorporating because their lifestyle around community, slowing down, being intentionally connected to the present moment, those things outweigh their food practices way by far. I don't know if you've ever had clients, but I've had clients where I had them on all the right supplements, all the right diets, all tailored to them. And they would still come and say like, I'm having an eczema flare up. Uh, My anxiety was terrible. My periods are still bad. And I'd be like, just scratching my head until I finally over time realized, Oh, it's because you're still fighting with your partner every evening. When you get home from work, that, that energy, that, adrenaline that kicks up when you walk in the door and see your partner and it's like oh are we gonna bicker about today there it doesn't matter how much kale you eat yep oh i couldn't agree with that statement more and so back to that question you asked me earlier how did i transition well i had to transition through my own journey experiences because i had the nutrition nailed it was dialed in it was on point i had the exercise it was nailed down it was dialed in it was on point but what i didn't have under control were my stress management my emotional regulation my gut health and um my sleep cycle these were the core pillars that were allowing for the nutrition and the exercise to either be optimized or just completely disregarded And so when I got diagnosed with having cervical cancer the first time, um, the the only time, the first and only time so far was back in 2012. And in 2012, at that time in my life, I had just gone through a very, very nasty, nasty divorce, um, ending a almost 20 year long relationship with the narcissist. And I played the role as the codependent and I had no confidence, no self-worth. I had gone through and finished my undergrad, started working as a clinical dietitian, working in diabetes and cardiovascular education. And week after week, people would come back. They wouldn't make any change. I was like, 
what did I do to myself? This is not what I thought I was getting into. This is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so um, financially ends were not meeting. I was having to bartend nights and weekends to make ends meet. And I was also being single mom to two teenage girls. So I was sacrificing all of self, all of self, completely Mm -hmm. victimizing myself to the circumstances and just allowing the story to play out. And so when I got that cancer diagnosis, I was pissed. I was so pissed because I had only been with one person my entire life and I prided myself on that purity, right? Like I am not, I have not been tainted, you know, all of those thoughts. I, I was raised Catholic and the whole sexuality and Oh man, we could spend a whole episode just talking about that stuff. So I get this diagnosis and they say to me, well, you had, you got HPV. And I was like, how did I get HPV? And they're like, well, your partner could have been a carrier and exposed you to HPV. So I was angry. I was like, motherfucker, like, all right, this is what I, I lost everything. And this is what I'm being left with. Like, you, you know? And so I realized that all of that anger that I was harboring was part of the problem. The anger was allowing for the stress response to manifest in a chronic circumstance that allowed for my immune system to become weak and not have the ability of fighting HPV off. So that was a big wake up call for me. I I would say that that's really when my spiritual journey really started to come under the microscope. And I, at that time, because of being raised Catholic, I had a lot of resentment towards God. I was angry as fuck with him. I was like, how could you do this to me? How could I get here? And and so that, that playing the victim. Yeah. So the reality is embracing my spirituality was literally the last part of the journey to me feeling like a whole complete person. And when I was able to surrender and say and accept to myself that I was a, I was a being of God, that I was just a part of what our prime source creator had allowed for us to be when I was able to really accept that invite that in that was a game-changing part but I realized that a lot of the resistance I had was through my Catholic upbringing because I had been taught all of these things and I was taught that if you wanted to communicate with God you had to go sit in church and confess all of your sins to the priest and ask for forgiveness through that's so creepy i just no offense to anyone who's catholic i don't oh girl so i was denied of the fact that i could open my heart up and communicate directly with my creator right Mm -mm -mm. that's why i love spirituality because it's all run by you yeah you are your own God. So, but I think that there are a lot of people out there whom were raised in Christian families or Catholic backgrounds or Judaism or whatever it might be. And when it comes to embracing their spirituality, there's a lot of resistance because we feel guilty about mm-hmm. defying the practices that were programmed into us. Yep. 
They were given to us without our consent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I was able to really work through that and say, well, wait a minute, I never chose to be a Catholic in the first place. I never chose to have all of these viewpoints pushed upon me and the immense amount of judgment that came with it. When my daughter was born, when my first daughter was born, I went to the church and I said, I, I did what I was supposed to do. This baby needs to be baptized so that she can <laughs> be saved, right? And the priest looked at me and he said, shame on you. I shouldn't even baptize your child because you birthed this child out of wedlock. This, this child is a product of sin. And I remember looking at that man and thinking, fuck you. Wow. I, did you say that? I hope you did. I, I was like, fuck you. You know, this makes oh. sense to me. And so that was the moment that I decided that I was leaving the Catholic church. I was like, yeah intuitively everything within my being said this is all bullshit it I is any of that as my truth no. and i'm not and and that's when i chose to leave but there was a long period of resentment anger not understanding what to do with all of these emotions and all of the confusion that i was carrying from growing up inheriting a belief system that was not in alignment with what i felt was right for me Exactly. I think I got lucky because my mom, she's an Aquarius. Aquarians are the ones that think outside the box. They're Absolutely. the wild Einsteins. Oh, when yeah. she had my brother and I, everyone, of course, was like, are you getting them baptized in, in Midwest family? And uh -huh. she was like, no, I think they should have a choice and a say in what religion they want us to. Oh, she was shunned. I remember my great grandma, I think it was, told me like, I'm so sorry. You're going to hell because your mom won't bat. And I was like, huh? What's hell? <laughs> Well, my grandmother used to tell me all the time that because I had a child out of wedlock that, you know, I was going to hell, that I was not doing God's, I was, I was a product of sin. And I, you did not please a white man in the sky. How dare you? I know. <laughs> It's so funny when I look back, um, I love my family immensely. I'm so grateful for them and as dysfunctional as they are, I still have an immense amount of love in my heart for them, but I've been able to let go of the judgment towards them for yeah. what I inherited. Like I no longer blame them for why mm -hmm. I got where I was. I can take my own accountability and responsibility for that and choose differently moving forward. Yeah, and wow, and I can only imagine how you raise your daughters now, how different, how many generational patterns you broke for them. Oh, absolutely, it's been beautiful. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is that I haven't pushed my opinions on my daughters. I haven't sat down and had talks with them and said, look girls, this is the only way to do it. You gotta do it this way. I've let them navigate their own journey but most importantly, through me modeling my own behavior change and them seeing me transform from a highly reactive person who was constantly on the defense, who didn't know how to have the ability to communicate in a healthy way, to shifting to this person who has immense amount of self-love, self-respect, is no longer self-betraying as a way to prove that she's worthy and deserving and not going to be rejected or abandoned by others. Just through modeling those behavior changes, 
it's empowered them to want to take their own action steps throughout their journey for what feels comfortable to them. And as a mother, that's the most we could hope for. Yeah. Wow. That's so, how old are they now? So my oldest is going to be turning 25 in June, which is like- You have a 25-year-old? My God, you look 20. Thank you. And then my youngest will be turning 20 in about two and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Power of a good mindset and a diet. Look at you. Absolutely. I like to say that I am my best piece of marketing. <laughs> you are. You want all of this? Let me take yeah. you because this <laughs> is possible. And to be perfectly honest with you, Stephanie, one of my big pet peeves is when individuals go to the doctor and they talk to the doctor about all of their symptoms and then the doctor looks at them and says, I'm sorry to hear all of this. This is just part of the aging process. Yeah, no. Bullshit, bullshit (laughs) all of that because guess what? I have defied the aging process. I have been able to reverse how quickly my body was deteriorating through addressing mindset and lifestyle practices in order to have the healthiest vessel possible. Exactly. Oh, you you should have seen the OBGYN when she uh, saw fibroids run in my family. And so I asked to get an ultrasound just to make sure there were none growing. And she's like, you know, you're 32 now, your eggs are getting old and dried up and you really should consider getting pregnant soon. I was like, I feel healthier than I was at 22. Like- yeah, exactly. Uh-uh. Yeah. It's funny because I myself still entertain the idea of potentially wanting to be a mother again someday. If yeah. I'm in the right circumstance with a partner, I can only imagine how beautiful and amazing and rewarding it would be to actually have the ability to consciously raise a child with another person who was in alignment with that. When I had my first two children, it w- I was a single mom. You know, even though I was married and in a partnership, I had a husband who earned the income, but then on a daily basis, liked to reinforce and remind me that my existence was because of him allowing me to exist through the use of providing financially for our family. So what a hit to your whole birth chart of learning how to be secure on your own. Oh, what a test he was. Yeah. Yeah. So so anything else interesting in that birth chart I need to know about? Uh, you have a stellium in the fourth house as well, which tells me, oh, especially Pluto in your fourth house tells me that your family life either brought you great pain or great joy. And being in Libra tells me that things are very unbalanced. There oh, could yeah. always just be a shock to the balance and emotions in the home life. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty uh, accurate. Yeah. And most of your chart is in the lower half of the wheel, which tells me that you're very much psychic, intuitive. Like you don't mind going in the shadows and bringing things out. No, absolutely not. Because I embrace it. I see how much growth, I see how much change and how much abundance has come into my life through having the willingness to go into those dark areas and evaluate Mm -hmm. and really reflect and ask myself some hard questions. But most importantly, where can I take accountability and responsibility for why I feel like I feel? Exactly. Then That's you. I rethink my approach to get in alignment. Uh, your North Node, so that's your spiritual purpose in this life. Yours is in Scorpio. 
your purpose is to help people with dark mental health issues, with drug addictions, um, sexual trauma falls under that. Mm-hmm. Sounds on point. <laughs> yeah, you are living your dharma, as we say. Absolutely. But, you know, I do want to speak to one thing about that, because this is, I think it's important for the listeners to understand that when we become attuned with our spirituality and how energy works and how energy is having an implication on our own physical being, that we have to learn how to protect ourselves, right? We have to learn how to protect ourselves. And for me, I know that it's vital because I do work with populations that are so highly emotional that I'm like a magnet. I'm absorbing all of that motion and I'm giving them all of my positive energy. And as a result of that, I have to be very mindful, very, very mindful at having specific rituals that I follow to protect my energy and keep my personal being in a balanced state. Otherwise, if I forget to do the things several days down the road, I'm like, God, I just feel really off today. Why are these suicidal thoughts popping in my head? Like, where is this coming from? And then I realize, oh shit, girlfriend, you haven't been protecting yourself. You haven't been utilizing your self-care to balance out the energies and let go of what is not yours. Yours, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I just posted something about that on Lightworkers Lounge, picking up collective energy, especially right now, with all the shit going on with the media. We're feel, people will feel like, why am I so anxious today? I feel like an electrical surge through my body. And it's like, that's not yours. That's right. collective. Just bringing awareness to it can make it go away. Absolutely. So this is something that I've been talking a lot about lately, and especially because I do work in these highly emotional populations. They're losing their shit. They're losing their shit. They're all wanting to relapse. They're all wanting to fall back into their old behavioral patterns. And I just have to keep reinforcing over and over and over. None of this is yours. None of this is yours. Like you, None of it. You gotta let go. You've got to detach from what's going on. So I know we're running out of time. What is one piece of advice you can give to the listener right now who is really struggling with understanding what is theirs? What is the collective? How can you guide? What is your best piece of advice to guide them onto the right path right now? Oh, get alone time in nature. If you're so confused about what is what emotions are mine right now, go, even if it's not in nature, just a moment alone in your car just to be and breathe. I know these things sound so just easy and simple, but meditate, breathe, feel into who you are. If you feel lost in your purpose, I don't know what I love. I don't know who I am. What did you love to do as a child that you no longer do anymore? There's the ticket. There's the golden key. Speak in my language. Speak in my language. One statement I have to that for the listener who is like absolutely shivering at the core of their being right now at the thought of being alone. If the thought of being alone is triggering you, that is evidence that you need to turn within greater than ever before. Most of us are so scared of the thought of being alone because we don't know who we are. We don't know how to soothe ourselves. We don't know what we need. We don't know what we like. And so the thought of turning within and being alone is freaking frightening. 
So yeah. if you're listening and you're having a lot of discomfort right now at the thought of going alone into nature, get really excited, get really curious because this is an opportunity for you to have awareness and a huge breakthrough moment that could be life-changing. Yeah, I think that's the same way that people, I don't know, have you ever went and saw a psychic or a tarot reader or an intuitive? Do you get nervous when you sit down? Like, are you shaking? Are you like teeth chattering? Oh my gosh, me too. And I'm not a nervous person. You can hear it in my voice. I'm cool as a cucumber. But when I go see these people, I, my hands are shaking. My teeth are, and I'm like, what is this? And I think, I don't know about your opinion, but I think that's my ego. Like, oh shit, she's about to hear truth. And I think that's why people get nervous being alone in their car in nature, wherever it may be, because all of a sudden those thoughts that you numb and you sweep under the rug, keeping yourself busy on social media or keeping yourself busy, surrounded by coworkers, friends, those thoughts get a chance to come out. Part two coming next week. Yeah, no, absolutely. We should definitely, um, follow up on this conversation. I think there's a lot of uh, areas of opportunity for us to chat. Yes, let's do it. Uh, yeah, well, Stephanie, it has been such a pleasure having you on as a guest today. Thank you so yeah. much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. And where can all of the listeners find you? Oh, I would love for you guys to come say hello. You can find me on Instagram at Lightworkers Lounge or come look at my personal account at Stephanie's underscore destiny. You can find us online at lightworkers-lounge.com. And Lightworkers Lounge podcast can be found on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. Just Google us. Fabulous. Well, I will make sure to link all of the direct links in the show notes so that they can find that easily. But again, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I am so immensely proud of the work that you are doing, sister. Keep thank shining. You. Your light is so beautiful and it is so very needed right now, especially you know, in this time. So thank I you. appreciate that so much. And when people go look at me, they'll see all the thousands of followers I have. And I'm here to tell you that doesn't mean shit because I have moments where I'm like, what am I doing? what is my purpose? Like, I'm not as good as this person. I'm not, I don't have as many followers as that person. I get down on myself. I'm human. So to have people like you send me these notes of gratitude and confidence to keep going. I just, I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Well, you have my full support. So if there's anything I can ever do to help assist you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out. Always. Thank you, Heather. And thank you listeners. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.